Well, I don't have a good intro to this episode, and if you stick around for just a few minutes, you may be speechless too. I'm your host, Coy Atkins, and this is the story of Jerry Brudos. Webster, South Dakota is just about as small of a town as it gets. It's about 1.6 square miles, and in 2019 had a population of 1,700 people. It actually had more people, with about 2,000 in 1939, which is when Jerry Brudos was born there. Jerry was the youngest of two boys, and his mom moved them around a lot. They bounced around from California, Oregon, and South Dakota, but they eventually settled in Salem, Oregon. Jerry didn't have the best relationship with his mother. She was upset that she had another son because she wanted a little girl. But instead of being a good mother anyways, she was physically and emotionally abusive to him. And she would force him to dress up in female clothing as a way to humiliate him. Not to give him any excuses at all, because you'll see that he doesn't deserve that. But basically, she is making a murderer here. When Jerry was five years old, he was playing at a local junkyard. He came across a pair of stiletto-heeled shoes. Over his short life up to that point, he developed a fascination for women's shoes. When he took them home to wear them, his mom caught him with them and she destroyed them. For this, I don't know if this is a control thing or what, because on one hand, she's dressing him up in women's clothing, and then whenever he does it on his own, she's like, nah, I'm not doing that. But at this point, it was really too late. This fascination for women's shoes turned into a fetish. And when he was in first grade, he actually tried to steal the shoes right off of his teacher's feet. His fetish also didn't end with shoes. As a young teenager, he would sneak into neighbors' houses and steal underwear from females that lived there. As they tend to do, things began escalating. As a teenager, Jerry began stalking women around town. Then things turned violent. He began attacking women, knocking them to the ground or choking them until they passed out. Then he would steal their shoes. When he was 17 years old, he abducted and beat a young woman. He threatened to stab her if she did not do what he demanded of her sexually. When he was arrested on those charges, he was taken to a psychiatric ward in the Oregon State Hospital, where he would spend the next nine months being treated. While he was there, Doctors were able to determine that Jerry's sexual fantasies revolved around his hatred for his mother and just women in general. He was also diagnosed with schizophrenia. After spending nine months there, he was released in 1957 and graduated from high school. After graduation, he did a very brief stint in the army and then was kicked out for, quote, bizarre behaviors, and unquote. And then he became an electronics technician. In 1961, 22-year-old Jerry married Darcy, who was 17 years old at the time. They settled into a nice little house in a suburb of Salem, Oregon. And from the outside, you might think things were okay. But inside the house was a very different story. 
Jerry would ask his wife to do any cleaning or other housework naked. Well, not completely naked, I guess. He only wanted her to wear a pair of high heel shoes. And being the amateur photographer that he was, he took photos of his wife cleaning. It was also around 1961 when Jerry began complaining to Darcy about getting really bad headaches. I'm not sure if these headaches, if they were real or just an excuse to cover for him getting out of the house. Because to relieve these headaches, he would go for a walk at night. But not just any walk, that would be too easy. He began breaking into houses and stealing shoes and underwear from women around the area. Back at Jerry and Darcy's house, Jerry had a garage where he would store the stuff that he stole. He would spend a lot of time in the garage, but he wouldn't allow Darcy in without first talking to him on an intercom system that he'd set up so that he knew she was coming. She also wasn't allowed to go into the attic without Jerry's permission. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking, what the actual... This seems like some big red flags and warning signs don't get much bigger or clearer. But Darcy was in love. Yes, Jerry was really weird to her. She even noticed him coming home with women's underwear and shoes that were not hers. But she didn't think that there was anything to it. But realistically, she may not have wanted to believe anything was going on. We tend to really talk ourselves into or out of whatever we want. And we'll cover more with Darcy a little later on. And as we've covered so far, everything continues to escalate with Jerry. And that's going to continue and get taken even further. How would you like to save a couple of hours each week? Grocery shopping takes time, and time is something that we are always trying to get more of. That's where Instacart comes in. With Instacart, you can spend that extra time catching up on other things like the gym, reading a book, or listening to a podcast while you're reading a book at the gym. Instacart also uses its technology to highlight deals to help save you money. The shoppers pick the freshest produce, and they even keep your eggs safe. Instacart delivers to your door in as fast as one hour. If you use the link in the show notes, it helps support this show and it lets Instacart know that I sent you. And you will get a free delivery on your first order of over $35. And now, back to the show. In 1968, Linda Swanson was a college student living at home with her mother and her siblings in Aloha, Oregon. She had a job as a door-to-door salesman selling encyclopedias. And clearly a downside of that job is that you never know whose door you're going to be knocking on. In January of 1968, as Linda was making her rounds going door-to-door, she came across Jerry Brudos' door. She knocked, Jerry answered. He was home with his kids and seemed interested in buying a set of encyclopedias. With children there, she probably saw Jerry's harmless. I mean, who would do something bad in front of their kids? As she gets in her sales routine, her guard is lowered. Through their conversation, Jerry is able to lure her towards the basement, where he knocked her out with a wooden plank and strangled her to death. Now, what comes next takes disturbing to a whole new level. Jerry dressed Linda's body in different female undergarments and shoes that he had stolen from other houses. He arranged her body in provocative positions 
and then he used a saw to cut off her left foot. He kept her foot frozen in a freezer, and he used it at various times to model his collection of high heel shoes. He then dumped Linda's body into the Willamette River. When Linda didn't return home, she was reported missing to the Portland Police Department. But there was really no evidence to go on, and it wouldn't be until a little while later that it was learned that she went to Jerry's house. A few months later, in May of 1968, Jerry was outside of a department store wearing women's clothing. 18-year-old Karen Springer was planning to have a dinner date with her mother when she and Jerry crossed paths and he abducted her at gunpoint. He took her back to his garage where he made her model his collection of undergarments while he took photos of her. He then sexually assaulted her and he strangled her to death by hanging her from a pulley system in his garage. But Jerry's sickening ways weren't over. He then sexually assaulted Karen's deceased body and he cut off her breasts. Jerry then tied her body to a car engine and dumped it in the Willamette River. On November 26, 1968, 23-year-old Jan Whitney was driving on Interstate 5 between Salem and Albany, Oregon when her car broke down. And unfortunately, Jerry just happened to be driving by when he pulled over and offered to help. He told Jan that he would give her a ride to his house and from there they would call a tow truck. But... Jan never made it to the house. While she was still in Jerry's car, he strangled her to death using a leather strap. Once he was back at the house, he hung her body using a pulley system in his garage for several days. He dressed her body up, took photos, and he sexually assaulted her post-mortem. Jerry tied Janet's body to a piece of a railroad iron, and then he threw it along with the foot that he cut from Linda in the Willamette River. After the murder of Jan, Jerry had a few months where he sort of laid low, until April of 1969, when he struck three days in a row, or attempted to. On April 21st, he attempted to kidnap 24-year-old Sharon Wood from a parking garage in Portland, but she was able to get away from him. The next day, he attempted to abduct a 15-year-old girl named Gloria, but she was also able to get away from him. Now, everything up to this point had worked out for Jerry. He hadn't gotten caught. He hadn't had any victims get away from him. So after two days in a row of someone escaping him, I can only imagine that he's probably getting a little frustrated and maybe worried about what could happen with those victims. But whatever he was feeling didn't stop him. Because on the third day, April 23rd, Jerry abducted 22-year-old Linda Saley from a mall parking lot. He took her back to his house where he sexually assaulted her and strangled her to death. He tied her body to a car transmission and dumped it into the Willamette River. On May 10, 1969, a man was fishing in the Long Tom River, which branches off the Willamette, when he saw what appeared to be a bundle of rags. As the fisherman got closer, he saw that it was actually the body of a deceased young female, and he immediately contacted law enforcement. The body was identified as Linda Saley. The day that Linda was abducted from the mall parking lot, she was supposed to meet her boyfriend that evening. But when she didn't show up to meet him, or show up at her job the next morning, everyone knew something bad had to have happened to her. Law enforcement divers began diving around the river, and two days later they located the body of Karen Sprinker. Investigators were quickly able to draw connections between Karen and Linda Saley's death. 
The autopsy revealed that the cause of death for both of them was asphyxiation, and they were both tied to car parts to keep them submerged. The big thing with Karen's body that stood out was that both of her breasts had been cut off. She was wearing the same clothing that she was wearing the day that she went missing, but she had a different bra Karen was a med student at Oregon State University. Investigators went there and spoke to people that lived in her dorm, and they told investigators that they had been receiving strange phone calls from a man who said that he was a lonely Vietnam veteran. He would ask the women out on dates, and I'm not sure exactly how many people he spoke with, but at least one person did agree to meet with him and go on a date. On April 22nd, that woman went on a date with this mystery guy from the phone. She described him as tall, redhead, with freckles. But he said some very disturbing things, such as, How do you know that I would bring you home and not take you to the river and strangle you? Now, I really hope that no one is ever on a date with someone that says that, but if you are, that's probably a good time to leave. The detectives had their girl call the guy again, set up a second date, and he fell for it. This time, when Jerry Bruto showed up for the date, he was the one getting abducted, so to speak. Detectives took him to the station to interview him. While he did seem odd in the interview, they weren't able to gather enough evidence to charge him with anything. But they now had his name, and they began looking further into him. They learned all about his charges when he was a teenager and the time that he spent in the psych hospital and his fascination with women's shoes, and his hatred for his mother. Investigators also had two recent cases where Sharon and Gloria were almost kidnapped, so they went back to them with a photo lineup, asking them if the person who attempted the abduction was in the photos, and out of the six people shown, Jerry Brutus was picked out. So detectives arrested him on the attempted kidnapping charges, and this was probably one of the most anticlimactic cases, because this time... The interview went different. He confessed, not just to the kidnappings, he confessed to the murders. When police searched his garage, they found photographs of all the women that he killed, except for one, both before and after their deaths, as he dressed them up in various clothing. And even though Jerry confessed to the murder of Linda Slauson, which was his first murder, that was the only one that he wasn't charged with. And that was the only one where they couldn't find her body in the river, and they didn't have photographs of her from his garage. So Jerry was charged with the murders of Karen Sprinker, Jan Whitney, and Linda Saley, and the attempted kidnappings of Sharon Wood and Gloria Smith. Jerry tried to plead guilty for reasons of insanity, but psychiatrists said that his crimes were too well planned for him to use the insanity plea, and he knew what he was doing. So he pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison. Another thing that was brought up was his wife, Darcy. How could she not have known what he was doing? A neighbor even came forward and said that he saw Darcy and Jerry carrying something that looked like it could have been a body to a car. So she was initially charged as an accomplice, but the neighbor's testimony was discredited and there was no other evidence linking her to anything and Jerry also didn't mention her in anything. She denied knowing anything about what was going on. She knew that Jerry was odd, but she didn't think he was a killer. 
After Jerry was arrested, she divorced him, changed her name, and moved to an unknown location with her children, and no one has ever heard from her again. Jerry remained in prison until he was 67 years old, and he died of liver cancer on March 28th of 2006. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. Thank you for listening, and if you could, please leave a rating or review for the show, and be sure to subscribe.